Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today, oh my goodness, I, I, I see, I put my notes page away for two seconds and think I'll remember what we're talking about, and then boom, it's just all gone. And the reason is I've been so excited for the uh, for the DraftKings pick of the week because I actually have real insights again, and that segment becomes incredibly fun if uh, you actually have really good opinions, because usually it's like, got to study a lot for these other sports, but uh, no, I actually know my stuff when it comes to women's soccer better than pretty much anybody else, and I don't know, all it took was like one year of paying attention, but uh, I found that notes page, and now um, I realize what there is to talk about, so Two pieces of news uh, came out yesterday uh, regarding Buffs football, um, and we're going to touch on both of those. The first one I just want to hit super briefly, and that's that Vontae Chenault, the receiver for the Buffs, who is the little brother of LaVisca Chenault, is, uh, it, let's see, he was arrested on suspicion of driving under the influence early Sunday morning and late Saturday night is how most people would say it, but police say things their own way. Um, and uh, he was in Fort Collins, I guess, uh, they, according to the Nine News story, uh, which I guess, actually, now that I think of it, there's a Coloradoan story that Nine News ran, so I should just credit Coloradoan. Um there haven't been a lot of details out, like who he was with or that kind of stuff. Basically, um, what the report said was that Vontae was driving with his headlights off and got pulled over and the cop thought he was um, drunk or under the influence of drugs and brought him into custody, and he was released on, like, $1,200 bond, if I'm remembering right, $1,250, something like that. Um, honestly, I don't have much to add, and I don't really think it's our place to dig too deep into any of this stuff. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people have a different thoughts on how college athletes should be reported on during... Um, legal cases um and just so that we're having full transparency here um i'm mostly going to stay out of this 
until there's a suspension or a conviction. And, you know, we'll do stuff like this, just throw in any updates if they pop up. But for the most part, not really my place. Um, got that out of the way. Uh, other piece of news, Jash Allen, the linebacker, who I actually thought had a pretty good chance of winning that other inside linebacker job next to Nate Landman, or, I mean, even competing for time in that star position. You know, as you get into year two of this defense, you start to gain some more flexibility. And we saw that late last year, too, with the way uh, I actually wrote a little bit about this on the third down packages last year. But they got really creative, throwing everybody up against the line, um, having people move around a lot pre-snap, overloading one side of the line. And, you know, those third down packages are really where you can be creative because when you're trying to build a defense that can stop the pass and stop the run, there are places on the field where you need players to stop the pass and places on the field where you need players to stop the run. So you, you think to stop the pass, you probably need at least one safety deep. You need a couple corners out wide to cover the receivers. Um, you, you know, there's there's that kind of stuff. You're, you're wary of the pass rush, although there's a bunch of different ways you could kind of structure that. But then when you think about stopping the run, you really need those two layers up front. You need the defensive linemen, you need linebackers in front of them. And there's basically the two schools of thought. You can do like the one technique, which is basically every player in that front seven has a gap. So if you're the nose tackle, you're between the, depending on the call, the center and the right guard or the left guard. And your job is just to get through that gap and make sure nobody comes through that gap the other way. And if you can get into the backfield and make a play, then that's best. Uh, and then your linebacker, he could be the guard and tackle spot right next to him. Um, just kind of depends on how everything's built. When you have the two technique, um, then the defensive linemen are responsible for gaps on both sides of them. So if you're the nose tackle, you have the gap between the center and the left guard and the center and the right guard. So obviously you can't just charge through one of those the way you would stopping the run in a one gap system. Um, you try to take up that blocker and hopefully get your arm out and try to clog up those running lanes. But for the most part, that just gets everything out of the way so the linebackers can come downhill, match what the running back's doing, and hit the hole at the same time. So those are kind of like the two different ways you can play it. Um, how did we get down that? Oh, because you have to find ways to stop the run in the past. There we go. So to stop the run, you typically need that those two layers that front layer and the second layer no matter how you're doing it you know i guess you could if you're running like that one gap system where everybody has their gap you could bring everybody up to the line and just say go through that gap and have seven guys across the front but obviously if you blow one of those assignments it's probably a touchdown so it's pretty risky and so on a typical football play when you have you're, you you need to be able to stop the pass, so you have to have players outside and deep. You need to be able to stop the run, so you need players up on the line of scrimmage uh, against the offensive line, and you need a couple more players a few yards behind them. We just described your basic defense. On third downs, when you aren't worried about the run, when if you bring everybody up to the line of scrimmage, say charge through this gap, and... If they get through, you know that deep safety, even if he gives up seven, eight, nine yards, as long as he can make that tackle before 10 yards, let's say, you're stopping them from picking up the first down, they're punting the football. 
So that's kind of why on third downs, when you really are only playing the pass, you get the flexibility to put players in positions. No, it's not even that you can put players in different positions. It's that you can take some of the players who you need to have in certain positions and move them wherever you want because they no longer have to be in those positions. And so that's why those third down packages are so much fun um, for coaches, for players, um, not for offense. It's not for offenses at all because the theory is, you know, the, the picture I put in that story, um, I believe, yeah, there, there were nine. No, it was eight players within two yards of the line of scrimmage. And it's a, just a picture of a third down against Stanford um, that I took from the press box. And that means, like, obviously your corners who are matching those receivers outside, they're dropping back. But of everybody else, basically eight other players, because there was a deep safety, um, eight of those players could either run forward and rush a quarterback or drop back and play, play the pass. And it could be any combination. You could have all five of the guys lined up furthest to the right with the guys on the left, like kind of filling in behind them a little bit, kind of obviously dropping back, um, some swooping toward that right side where everybody's coming from, but then also having that deep safety kind of crash down a bit to cover up anything that could come open before they're able to fill those spaces. Or you could do... Um, just the edges with the middle dropping back and taking away the middle of the field. You could, I mean, all sorts of these different combinations where you could be rushing three guys, you could be rushing two guys if you wanted, or you could be rushing all seven or eight and just getting them and having your three guys in coverage just cover, drop back to the sticks and not let them get eight, nine yards. You know, there's just so much that can happen. And because you're able to just put everybody against the line of scrimmage like that, which has become so popular, kind of starting with that Broncos defense in 2015, they, that's, I mean, the reason that defense was so good is because they ran a one-gap system. So that means that everybody is hitting their hole, going through their hole and trying to get into the backfield and disrupt things. Um, and again, the risk is that if you blow one of those assignments, there's a hole wide open with no support behind. And so they can just run free if they hit that hole. Um, but because you had that great group with DeMarcus Ware, with Vaughn Miller, with Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf and all those other guys, I mean, that was such a deep group. And then you have the, the corners and safeties who you trust in one-on-one -on -one coverage, you know that if you put those guys on whatever five skill players the offense puts out there, they're going to be able to cover them for two seconds. And that means you can rush six guys, send them all through their gaps. Somebody is going to get through and get the quarterback down within two seconds. And again, I mean, that's, that's just a way to beat a team when you have the talent advantage. And that's what they had every single game. And it was so much fun. Um, back to the point a little bit. Um, we've seen that become more and more popular with the Buffs obviously employing it last year. Darian Rakestraw saying he's excited about it. But the thing is, those are kind of like your artisan packages. Those are the things that the defensive coordinator can just kind of dream up. But if you don't have everything else down sound, if everybody isn't getting their job done correctly, in, you know, we've talked a lot about that base cover three match defense that they run out of kind of that like three, three, five, or even like a three, four, depending on what you want to call it, star position. 
if you can't get all of the pieces of that working correctly or any of your other like counters to that when you're trying to catch the offensive off guard, you know, you have to get through your whole playbook of things that work in more than just those very niche, I hate that word, situations. You know, you just can't justify spending the time dreaming up those fun packages for third downs. But as that defense progressed and you saw it improve late in the season, they throw in those third down packages that's a pretty good reason to believe that like that's what's going on that they had to get everything else down and then they can start throwing the fun stuff in you know you look at a team like Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley you know they have all of that crazy stuff where it's like the the pitches and the misdirections and the delayed screens and I mean you just combine any combination of buzzwords like delayed RPO screen off a jet motion you know all that kind of stuff like that's something that Lincoln Riley has put together and the reason is because they can do all the simple stuff because they can throw double slants out there and get it down perfectly because they can run just your basic four verticals or smash concepts on one side and whatever on the other side and the blocking is all correctly when they run the draws and all that kind of stuff and as soon as you get all those basics down that's when you get to Instead of spending time thinking, okay, how do we get this information through to them? Or we have seven plays in this package. We need to get that up to 11 plays so that we can become less predictable. Once you get through all of that stuff and you have the depth behind all of your base concepts, all of the base things that you're trying to do, then you get to spend time doing the fun stuff, adding things on top of that. And so that's why like Lincoln Riley, he's just off and running. That whole team, they know what's going on. That whole program, they have been in this system now for so long. You know, a, a freshman gets in there, and if he can pick it up quickly and play, that's great. And if he can't pick it up his sophomore year, then, well, that's too bad. But his junior year, he'll get a chance. His senior year, will get a chance. And if he never picks it up, then he just won't play. When you look at the Buffs' defense last year, there were guys who didn't know what they were supposed to be doing or maybe they knew but were making mistakes or whatever but the problem was they didn't have 11 guys on the field who were all just doing their job properly and that means that you have to go through all of these kind of honestly frustrating processes to get that all down but once you get into year two of the system then all of a sudden you know everybody has that experience and so at most positions, you should be able to find somebody. And once you get through this cycle three, four times, then it's 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 kind of just complete. You, you have all of that set up. And heading into year two, it's not going to be perfect. This isn't going to be Tyson Summers at his best. This isn't going to be, I mean, this isn't going to be stuff that consistently shows up on his career highlight reel, I would guess. That is probably coming in year three, in year four. But there will definitely be even more flashes than last year. And the question is, where are they at the end of the season? At least in my mind, that's where I am kind of looking is we saw this improvement from the beginning of year one to the beginning of or to the end of year one. What does the end of year one to the beginning of year two look like? And it's not going to look as good as it would have if there had been spring practices and all of that other stuff going on. But that's kind of this next question. What does the beginning of year two look like? But what I'm excited about is the end of year two. Once he is able to see all this stuff, see who gets it, put them on the field, and then start building even more.
because I almost wonder if they jumped too quickly last year. You know, he he said that they've thrown out about 40% of that defensive playbook since the beginning of last season. They've just cut it out because they realized that it's so much information and you're not running those plays anyway. So why not just take it out? And if you want to add it back in, then do it. I'm excited. Um, back to Josh Allen, though. <laughs> the reason it is really sad to see him go is that as you start to add flexibility to this defense, you know, it, it may be that situationally he's rotating in as the star backer, you know, instead of Mark Perry because they want a more physical presence there. Maybe Mark Perry shifts back to the uh, back end of the defense playing safety, or maybe he gets a few snaps off, whatever. I thought he, I thought Josh Allen could fit in there. You know, I thought Josh Allen maybe could pair with a guy like Marvin Ham. Uh, the, the young linebacker, the speedy linebacker, the, the guy who you look at and say, huh, he's probably the cover guy who you pair next to a Nate Landman. That's a good fit. But sometimes, you know, say third and short, third and four, third and three, you know, right in there, you might want more of a physical tackling presence like a Josh Allen than that cover presence. And because they both are, or, or, at least in my mind, I could definitely see them being very similar skill levels, but just having different traits. There would be situations where you want one on the field instead of the other. And so Josh Allen seemed like he could fit in at linebacker, he could fit in at star. Um, there were just a bunch of ways, I think, that he could have been used. Now, I'll also say that because he's leaving it doesn't feel like as much of a loss. And I'll get into that more in a second. But first, uh, I think I've mentioned on this podcast, I'm heading up to Montana on Friday. Uh, really excited, really, really excited um, because there's like boats and hikes and camping and all that kind of stuff that like there definitely is here, but instead it's just like right outside your door and the there's no like pandemic or there's like a pandemic, but it isn't all that bad. I don't know. But the, the, the point is I've already checked using Breckenridge's beer locator to figure out where I can get all the different beers I need. So I'm flying into Missoula and then I'm driving up north to the Flathead, which means nothing to most of you. But what it means to me is that the Flathead, basically in that whole county, the whole valley, there is no strawberry sky. There, there are a bunch of like 15 can samplers I found, and I'll definitely be picking up some of those. But when I fly into Missoula, pick up that car from my sister who lives there, I'm going to head over to um, one of the gas stations that I found will have strawberry sky. And I'm just going to load up on that and just bring it all up there with me because I love the 15 can sampler and I'm going to drink some of those too. But I just need like a 50% split between Strawberry Sky and all the other beers. Um, and uh, that's kind of my plan. If you guys need to make plans like that for yourselves, it's a very unique situation to be in, I will uh, admit. Uh, you can go to Breckenridge Brewery's website as well, and you can check out their beer locator to see where all those beers are in relation to you. Um, you can like sort like I did for the 15 can sampler and for the strawberry sky, because I know those are the two that I want. And so then it's just like a map. And then all of a sudden you just have like the little pinpoints that pop up 
with addresses and like the names of where you can get whatever beer it is you're trying to find. Cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the Denver area, you can find their beers all over the place. Uh, we recommend Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits down south of, like, I think it's like Littleton Centennial area. There are a couple locations. Um, and uh, also the DNVR bar. Shout out to the DNVR bar. Uh, cool spot if you haven't checked it out. Also, Manscaped. Like I mentioned uh, yesterday, I believe, I'm bringing pretty much everything Manscaped sent me up to Montana, which is pretty crazy. Like for that whole perfect package 3.0 to be making my list of essentials to bring in my one carry-on suitcase. That's it's pretty cool stuff. And again, I cannot recommend them enough because they will give you pretty much everything you need. Like I guess you still have to go buy like toothpaste. And I guess maybe you want like skin products if you guys are like into that. But but basically, your entire routine is just using Manscaped. And it makes it so easy because it is such good stuff. You know, the Lawnmower 3.0 is incredible. It's like 7,000 RPMs, which is a whole bunch of RPMs. It's, uh, it's just like really high quality, but pretty cheap stuff in the grand scheme of things. So I just really recommend you at least go to the website, manscaped.com. Look around, see what they have going, see if there's anything that catches your eye. Like I said, that Perfect Package 3.0 is your perfect introduction. It has um, all of the products that we rave about. Again, that ball deodorant is the thing that stands out to me as just like irreplaceable. Like it, it, it really has just changed everything. You know, I'm not coming home all sweaty down there and it's, it's, kind of just absurd because that was not an option before manscaped and the crop preserver just check it out and if you use a code dmvr20 and you decide you want to buy something then you can save 20 percent off your order plus you get free shipping it's such a good deal at least just head over to the website and check it out okay back into the jash allen stuff real quick though so i mentioned that i think that because he wants out it's not a huge loss. And that's not like me being like a football coach, like uh, we only want people who want to be here. He's weekly. It's not because of that, but he must've thought that his role was not going to be all that big. And again, with the transfer portal, there's no guarantee that he is leaving. You know, basically again, the transfer portal is just an Excel sheet that college coaches have access to and college players can go to their whatever department is in charge of that at their school and say, put my information in there and let them call me. And that's basically what the transfer portal is. And so then if the coaches are interested, they'll reach out and they can do that without like breaking any rules because you, you can't like obviously recruit players who are still playing football on another guy's team. Um, what I would expect and again, this is just like my read on the situation. Josh Allen being a, a senior on this team. Uh, he was tr a transfer before this. I think before last season he transferred in. And I would guess that he's just looking for more playing time. That's typically why players use the transfer portal. I mean, there could be off-field stuff or whatever. But typically it's just because 
they want more playing time. And so what's going to happen is coaches are going to reach out to him and Jash most likely is going to ask, how do you see me fitting into your defense? And if the answer is, well, you're going to do this and that's more than he would have done at Colorado, then I think there's a good chance he'd jump at the option. Um, the truth is because it is so late and because he doesn't have all that much tape at the FBS level, he's probably looking at either a, a group of five school saying, we'll take you and we expect that you're going to be an important piece of this defense, but we really can't guarantee anything until you get out on the field but you will be able to compete for a starting spot and a rotational spot is likely even if you don't land that. Um, the FCS schools, on the other hand, will say stuff like, you're going to be our starting linebacker. And uh, that may appeal to him. And it's just, again, what he's looking for. And there is kind of that chance. We are in injury season or creeping into injury season. There's some spring injuries be, but obviously not as many because there weren't as many spring practices. And there could be like a, a power five school that says, oh no, we were shallow at linebacker and we just lost one of our key guys at that position. We need to patch that up quick and boom, Jash can go play over there. Um, I, I, I wouldn't expect that though, just considering the fact that he doesn't have all that much experience. Um, or, or it's not even the experience as much as just the tape. You know, he, he is a little bit less known um, than, than a Power 5 school looking to bring him in would likely want. Um, so those are just kind of some thoughts there. Um, of course, you'd love to see him stay in Colorado. Um, I, I think that he will be getting reps on defense unless you, you never know Maybe the reason he's entering the transfer portal is because he had to sit down with Tyson Summers or whoever. I guess it would be Tyson Summers because he's coaching linebackers and he's coaching. The, I mean, he's a defensive coordinator. Um, or I guess it could have been Darrell. That's the only other guy. But uh, a coach could have sat him down and just said like, hey, here's what we expect. We don't expect you to see the field all that much unless somebody gets hurt, in which case you'll become a, a rotational player. And if that's the case, then you'd see why he want to test the waters. Um, again, this is a story we'll kind of be following um, just because, you know, he, I think that he would have a, a, a real chance of contributing this year, especially because that that second inside linebacker job is up for grabs. Um, you know, John Van Deest, he did a lot of things that I liked. He isn't the perfect fit next to Nate Landman. Um, Marvin Ham, I think, is a better fit next to Nate. And, you know, honestly, I think Van Deest would fit well as Landman's replacement next year um, to, to take on that tackling role, to be that kind of roving guy who's just, I mean, stopping the run and maybe playing a little bit smaller zone because there is a Marvin Ham next to him who can take up more area of the field in coverage but I'd have Josh Allen very much in that mix as well um that's a, that's an interesting group like with Nate Landman you have 
potentially, I'd even say probably, the best inside linebacker in the Pac-12 this season. The question is what you do with it. What do you put next to him? What do you put on the other side of him at the star position? Um, these are the types of things that, again, now you can work it a little more situationally. You, you can spend more time instead of teaching how the base concepts in your defense work, you can spend more time trying to fit guys into new spots to kind of create new spots. You know, the star position is always going to be called the star position, but because it is that hybrid cornerback, safety, linebacker, you could put a linebacker there in some situations, a corner there in some situations, a safety there in some situations, just depending on what is working for you or if something isn't working for you or based on the game situation or all of these different things, you can start playing with it a little bit more now in year two. And again, I'm, I love defensive football and I am really excited to see what Tyson Summers can put together. You know, I think the, the book is still out on him. Let's, let's start with that. The, the book is still out on Tyson Summers. It's too early to say whether he's good or bad as a defensive coordinator and to be honest I don't really think that in the end we should be summing it up into good or bad it's I mean there's a long list of strengths there's a long list of weaknesses and you hope that the strengths are longer than the weaknesses but the truth is every football coach is going to have his flaws it's just whether everything fits together whether that piece of the puzzle fits next to what you have at head coach what you have at the position coaches you know if he isn't great at teaching uh, the the technique outside or in the secondary can he find the support to teach that properly you know it's all of that kind of stuff and it's all those different pieces of fit that determines whether somebody's going to be successful not necessarily whether he's a good coach or a bad coach um so i don't like summing it up that simply but again with tyson summers we're still, I mean, the jury is still very much out. I mean, I really liked what he did late last season. I liked the creativity they had on third downs. I liked how they locked everything down defensively and how they found something that worked for them and how they moved pieces around to find that and kind of just waited it out until everybody knew what they were doing. But now the question is, can you build on it? And I mean, another very real question is how much influence did Mel Tucker have on that defense? You know, having a defensive head coach who knows that system as well as everybody except for maybe three people in the entire world. I don't know if Mel was in there in the defensive meetings teaching things more than Tyson was, or if Tyson was really in control of that, but Tyson was still on the side bouncing a whole bunch of ideas off of Mel, and maybe some of those ideas got shot down, and they were right to be shot down, or maybe they were shot down for the wrong reason, or they shouldn't have been shot down. You know, all of those little things that go on just make it so hard to get a good read on Tyson Summers, but now that he does have full control of this defense, now that he's going into a season with some experience in terms of his players knowing what they're supposed to do, knowing the playbook, it isn't you know, a blown assignment once every two plays. And that's why you give up. I want to say they're giving up six yards per play. I just paused this so I could go check. And uh, yeah, they gave up six and a half yards per play last year, which was 101st in the FBS. That needs to get better. But not having as many blown assignments should help. So 
again, this is going to be another piece to watch. What do these linebackers look like? Um, if Josh Allen leaves, do, do you wind up thinking, huh, I wish you had just one more guy competing for that job? But uh, you know what? I'm hyped about Akil Jones. I, I think I really am. And the more I think about it, the more I think, I don't know, maybe on that plane I'm going to download. Um, I'll just go figure out which game Akil Jones played the most snaps and go back and watch it because I think that he has a lot of the traits that you look for. I mean, first of all, he's a smart guy. I mean, you have to start with that. You know, I don't know him well, but that is the reputation at the very least that he has, which is what you want from a linebacker. You start there. He has the traits of a good tackling linebacker. Um, I like the size. I like the physicality. Um, my biggest question is, and you know, he started five of the last six games last year. I think that what he needs to prove is that he can get into the backfield. You know, that he can be a player who can make big plays. You know, because that's kind of the presence that's missing. You know, with Mikhail Onu, for example, he, you know, he he had his mistakes on defense. There, there were times where he was in the wrong, but that was kind of true of every player on that defense for that first few weeks of the season and extending past that even. But also he was able to get a whole bunch of interceptions, knock the ball out, just kind of be in the right place at the right time. And that's that quality that Josh Allen needs. You know, if, if he is just in the right place at the right time and has some breaks for him, then he will be a very good option at inside linebacker. If he can, show some explosion getting in the backfield, getting some tackles for loss, maybe even blitzing, getting some sacks. That would be enough. Or if he's improved just a little bit in terms of like the fluidity, in terms of and just the ranginess, the ability to to cover on defense, then that would be enough. He just needs one of those pieces. And, and, you know, if he doesn't, then I still think that you can play him at inside linebacker. And the truth is, if you're Colorado at this stage, you're not going to have plus players at every position on the defense, but you can still have one of the top defenses in the Pac-12. If a kill kind of stays where he is, you know, kind of that guy who makes all of the tackles for three-yard gains... You know, I, that's kind of where I see him at right now. Then, yeah, you, you can slot him in right there, and you've you've there's no longer a question mark at inside linebacker. So you're happy about that. I mean, Nate Landman a clear plus, which means the group is better than your average um, Pac-12 inside linebacker duo, um, and maybe even in that top three, top four. But if he can just add that explosion get into the backfield, or if he can add some more coverage ability, or again, like I said, if he's just one of those guys who can get himself in the right place at the right time, knock some balls out, whatever you call whatever that is, any of those things would put him in a spot where you say, yeah, senior year at Kill Jones, that's who we want right there. That is a good football player. And honestly, that's the type of player who has a shot to get looks 
at the next level, you know, to get a training camp invite. Um, and maybe that's the bar you want to set. You know, you want to have guys like Nate and Mustafa who typically are grading out as like third, fourth round draft picks as of today, which is not meaningless, but a lot is going to change, assuming there's football. Otherwise, things might kind of stay the same. Uh, so you need guys like that. You need guys like Mark Perry, who you, you would think in a couple years are going to be there. Jalen Sami, in the same way, in a couple years are going to be there. Um, and then those DBs where you can bet on whichever ones you want, whether you want Chris Miller, Makai Blackman, who was the star of last fall camp, or KJ Trujillo, or even Darian Rakestraw. You know, I, I think a couple guys out of that group are going to be that fringe day two, day three guy, and there is the potential for them to move up past that point. And you need those guys. But what you also need is to just fill out this defense with guys who NFL teams are going to be like, hey, they were able to get the job done at the college level. They have the size and the speed and the athleticism in general to translate to the next level. So why not bring in, uh, you know, a Delrick Abrams, a guy who you know has all the traits, who played very well for a few years, and what he does may just translate one for one to the NFL game. So bring him into camp, see what he does. And that's kind of what you need Akil Jones to turn into. Because right now, again, we haven't seen all that much of him. We saw him, as with everybody else on this team, in his first year learning a more complex system. Um, Tyson Summers does not like that. We're complex nuanced maybe i don't know i should ask him next time we get to talk to him but uh oh i uh i just got the email uh from the sid staff so so the last couple of wednesdays we've had the player availabilities um where you know we get to ask all of our questions this week it's going to be tomorrow on thursday um and tomorrow we'll be talking with terrence lang and dimitri stanley so that'll be a lot of fun. A couple of guys who will be fun to catch up with. Um, so obviously I'll have like the full audio of that tomorrow uh, in tomorrow's podcast. Uh, that'll be like in the afternoon. That'll probably go up around like four or five. Uh, let's wrap up the whole like Josh Allen discussion, Akil Jones thing. The thing is the Buffs have a few guys who can fit into that one job on the defense and you just need one of them to do it well. And if you can get one of the other guys to provide something different and bring them in in specific packages, then that is even better. And that makes it a lot easier to have a successful defense when you have that sort of flexibility, when all of the different spots on the position can look different, um, depending on what you need it to look like. It is time now to get into the DraftKings pick of the week. And this is going to be actually a pretty quick one. Um, my pick is tonight. 8 o'clock, Houston dash to beat Sky Blue FC. Uh, that's plus 115. Houston dash is probably the most fun team in the NWSL. Um, they have uh, Rachel Daly and Christy Mewis who are just like tearing things up. Uh, I've talked, have I talked about Rachel Daly on this podcast? I feel like if I've done that, I should talk about somebody else. Well, Christy Mewis, one of the most fun players to watch in this tournament. Um, 
she, she let's see i think she has some national team experience that was all like five six seven years ago um but she's really been able to tear up the nwsl which has been a lot of fun and again that means she's playing against national team type of competition like all the women's national team plays in the nwsl maybe there are like two or three that don't but but for the most part i think they all do um you know her sister sam mewis is a regular now on the women's national team um she's also in the nwsl but christy has just been on fire and part of the reason is because she's been playing with rachel daly and those two just going like back and forth rachel's the uh, let's see she's england she's one of the stars of of england's national team um again it's just like so much fun because i watched the whole world cup and i watched a couple of those england games it's like oh yeah i remember you i was cheering against you and now since you're so much fun i get to cheer for you um and again this is the team it's been kind of like weird to watch the narrative around this team because people like the headlines are things like houston dash or breaking new ground or uh are, are the Houston Dash finally whatever. And and it's because they've just kind of been like historically one of the lower tier NWSL teams. And now all of a sudden, like they're just crazy explosive up top. Again, with that pairing of Mewis and Rachel Daly. Um, yeah, I mean, I just pulled it up because I'm curious. Because there were some that I was like, whew. Oh yeah, like Houston Dash wants to win now and improve its reputation. Uh Houston Dash are not screwing around. So that's like a newer one since they have been like winning all these games. But uh, they seriously have been a, a, a lot of fun to watch. And I think that they're going to get the win tonight. So cash in and make yourself some money. Houston Dash plus 115 DraftKings Sportsbook, which is the official betting partner of DNVR. And if you sign up with the code DNVR, then you can get yourself a... Uh, a bonus of up to $1,000. There's a whole bunch of other sports stuff going on. Uh, there's golf. Uh, the, the, finally, the UFC is fighting at Fight Island. Uh, I think RK told me that there are three title fights on Saturday. Uh, so so get in on that. Um, they also, so, so the headliners of that uh, UFC 251 at Fight Island there's a bonus on DraftKings that is essentially like, I think one of them, I can't remember which one. I think Guzan might be, might be minus 200, but the, the odds boost that DraftKings has put together has made them both plus 500. So you can take your pick. I'm going to take the favorite and uh, win myself some money. Essentially you bet $20, win a hundred bucks like this is the cool stuff that DraftKings does because they're an actual like legitimate sports book and they have to compete with the other sports books. And the way that they pull people in is by offering all of these odds boosts. And these aren't odds boosts that you only get if it's like you're signing up or it's your first week or anything like that. Like these are just consistent. If you just bet consistently with DraftKings, you could only take the odds boost if you want. You know, there's other cool stuff too, like uh like the Avs and the Nuggets, they both have boosted Stanley Cups. I think like there's like the mile high special and that's if the Avs win the Stanley Cup and uh, the Nuggets make the Western Conference Finals, then um, it's like plus 5280 
you know, mile high. There you go. Pretty clever. But that means like if you make a $10 bet, you can win 528 bucks. And the Avs actually have a decent shot of winning. Like that's a good value, even if it is still a long shot. There are so many of those boosts. And it, I think they're, it's, it's close to every day. There's a new boost that you can take advantage of. So it's so much fun. So, so, so pay attention, tune in, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the code DNVR when you sign up. And for a limited time, new users can get a no-brainer odds boost on the headline fight this Saturday. Bet $20, win $100. Yep, that's right. Doesn't matter if you pick Usman or Burns, your odds will be boosted to $20 to win $100. So head to DraftKings Sportsbook now and sign up with the code DNVR. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough restrictions. Do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, uh, that's going to do it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with audio from that call with Dimitri Stanley and Terrence Lang, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear what they have to say. Um, uh, I will uh, talk to them at 2 tomorrow, then kind of think through what I just learned, and then I will tell you guys all about it, and I'm excited. Uh, if you have any questions, as always, leave them in the post for today's show in the comment section, and I will get to those. Thanks, as always, for listening. Appreciate all of you. Goodbye. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Might not swear, I think they my Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speed and pad competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just
niggas how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Holla get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag I think they like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Holla get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag my Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag